What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in. This is your Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Arico, and I am your host. I'm also the lead fantasy baseball analyst for Sports Ethos, and you guys can hit me up on Twitter at JoeArico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. You guys hit the follow button there. You never miss any of these shows that go out every single weekday. You never miss any of my Twitter content, which is typically a thread. Now, I haven't been quite as active on Twitter. I've been away this week, but I posted one this morning talking about some of the more added players in fantasy baseball and what my advice is on them. Some guys to add, some guys to avoid, that sort of thing. And you also, when you follow on Twitter, never miss any of my articles because I share them out there. My articles go live every Sunday afternoon on sportsethos.com. This past weekend, I talked about my midseason fantasy awards picks, my I mean, mid-season, I know it's a little bit early, but mid-fantasy regular season, I guess, is the best way to put it. We are halfway through the fantasy regular season, and so I laid out my picks for awards such as uh, MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, and so on. So go ahead, hit the follow button on Twitter, and you get links to all of my fantasy baseball-related content. Today, we're going to be looking back on some of the top-performing players from yesterday. Look ahead to a couple of pitching matchups that I got my eye on today, and then I'll go through that thread with you guys and talk about some of the more added players today and whether I think uh, they should be added or left on the waiver wire. So pretty clear, I think, who the top performing player is from yesterday. Shohei Otani, guys. Uh, second day in a row where we're featuring Otani because of his brilliance. So the, yesterday, or I guess two days ago, he had two home runs, eight RBIs. Ridiculous for anybody, especially for someone like him who can pitch. He comes out the next day. He goes eight innings, strikes out 13, only walks one batter, gives up two hits. I thought they might send him back out for the ninth. I thought there was a chance, but there's no need to risk it, really. It was his best performance on the mound this season. I think it was a career high in strikeouts for him as well. And it was also his season high in pitches at 108. He's currently sitting at a 290 ERA, 1.01 whip. And I think we need to just admire him for a quick second here. So Otani... There's obviously, if you play on Yahoo, you know this already. There are two separate Otanis. There is the pitcher Otani, and there is the batter Otani. If you play on ESPN and a couple other leagues, I think CBS possibly is like that as well. Uh, I'm not sure, though. I haven't played any CBS, but for sure ESPN, you draft Otani once, you have the pitcher, and you have the hitter. It's ridiculous. It's a little bit unfair, but if you have the first overall pick in ESPN drafts, uh, Otani is so far and away the number one that it's not even really close. Let's take a look at Yahoo for a second, though. So Otani on the batter side, just the batter, is the 23rd-ranked player. Otani pitcher is the 46th-ranked player. He is top 50 both sides of him. It's just unbelievable what he's done. 68 innings on the year, 90 strikeouts, a 290 ERA, a 1.01 whip. He's actually looking better than he did last year on the mound, which is kind of scary because last year he was he was excellent. You know, he I mean, he was never going to win the Cy Young, but... He was 130 innings, 156 Ks, 318 ERA. He's got a lower ERA and a lower whip. He's looking really good. He's on pace to win more games than he did last year. He is hes one of the greatest athletes we are ever going to see, and I think we really need to appreciate it. And, and I know I saw a lot of people, a lot of people talking about it because it's obviously just, it's so rare. its its We've never seen it, even with Babe Ruth, and not that there's anybody alive today, or maybe there's one or two people, but I doubt there's many if any, who actually saw Babe Ruth. Uh, I don't think that he was actually doing this at the same time. Now, if you look back on his stats, there are years where he pitched and he hit, but I'm not sure he ever did it at the same in the same time frame. I think, from what I remember, he was pitching at some points and then he would switch to hitting, but it wouldn't be back and forth, back and forth, like what we're seeing with Otani here. You add in all the advancements in the game and 
how players throw so much harder and all the more the more athleticism that's required in today's game. It's honestly remarkable. It's a it's a huge treat, and it's a shame that Major League Baseball does not market him properly. We were looking, or someone was looking. I think it was Razball or someone on Twitter was talking about the All Star Game votes, and he has just about as many votes as Andres Jimenez. Shohei Otani should far and away have the most All Star Game votes, just based on how he should have been marketed. He should be getting votes from all across Asia. You think everybody in Japan and pretty much everywhere in Asia is going to be rooting for him just because there's not many players who are of Asian descent who come to the major leagues and are this good. We saw it obviously with Ichiro and a couple of other ones, Hideki Matsui, Daisuke Matsuzaka, Hanjin Ryu. There are players who come over from Asia and are successful, but Otani's in that Ichiro level, I think. He's getting into that Ichiro level of, of class in terms of how talented he is. There is no reason why Andres Jimenez, who is a relative unknown, I mean, people in the baseball community know who he is, but I think a lot of people who fill out all-star ballots are a lot more casual. Uh, I could be wrong on that. That's just complete conjecture. But you figure it's not just diehard fans who go to do all-star ballots because it just takes a couple of minutes. It doesn't really take much of your time. You vote for your favorite players or whatever. The fact that Otani is not getting millions and millions of votes is really sad for the game. If you think back to the 90s, and I know a lot of the steroid era really helped with all the home run races, helped to drive the popularity of the game with McGuire and Sosa and Bonds and those guys, Canseco. But they need to do a better job at creating a way to market this game uh, better. I'm, I'm poorly phrased, but you guys know what I mean. They need to do a better job at getting the game out there to kids and to everybody, really, because this is, he, he is so special. He is so rare. We're probably never going to see anybody like him ever again. Unless, of course, people start trying to force it and develop kids so that they can do both. Uh, I doubt we're ever going to see anybody like him again, at least not for a very long time. So Major League Baseball, you guys have done a shitty job. You guys need to do better. And that's, that's pretty much end of, end of rant on Otani. I, just, I feel bad for, for all parties, really. I feel bad for the Angels fans who see him and his greatness, and yet pro- there's a chance he won't play in the playoffs for them. Uh, I mean, same thing with Mike Trout. I think he's been in one playoff series in his entire career. You feel for the Angels fans. You feel for the regular everyday Major League Baseball fans who just want to see him play. And, you know, last night was a national game. You, you could tune on. I forget if it was on ESPN or where it was, but it was a good. It was a pretty good broadcast. You know, they brought back some of the old Angels uh, legends, you know, David Eckstein, Darren Erstad, uh, John Lackey. They were, they were there. I think John Lackey was hammered in the booth, actually, which was kind of funny to see. It was a really well-done broadcast, I thought, and I'm not usually a massive fan of the way national broadcasts work. There tends to be more disconnect from the players and whatnot. But it was good. It, they did a good job, you know. Um, and that is just a, it's a rare example because it doesn't happen very often. A lot of the time, if you're trying to find an Otani game, you're not going to be able to find it. I'm in the Dominican, like you guys have heard me say. I was lucky that the channel worked here, that I was able to get it. I've been trying to stream stuff on my phone, but the Wi-Fi is kind of hit or miss. I turn on the TV, and okay, there was Otani on TV. That's how it should be. You should be able to turn on the TV and see guys like Otani and Mike Trout, and even to expand upon that, every star player in baseball, really. They should really do a better job. Instead of making it harder for fans to watch, they should make it easier. Okay, that's really the end of the rant there. Sorry, guys. Let's move on. Let's move on. I just feel very passionate about it. That's all. Let's move on to Austin Hayes. Austin Hayes hit for the cycle yesterday. Single, double, triple, homer, baby. Three runs, three RBIs. Great job. He had 37.4 Yahoo points. And Austin Hayes is someone who, you know, he's going to be an excellent baseball player, and he's already turning into an excellent baseball player. He's batting 287 for the season. Ten homers, 40 RBIs. He's only got the one steal, but that doesn't really matter so much. 
He's been able to lower his strikeout rate. He was at 20% last year. He's down to 18. And his walk rate has jumped from 53 to 7%. Very good stuff out of Austin Hayes. The BABIP is at 323, which is not too high. It's about where, I mean, maybe a touch high, but it's not anything that you'd expect a massive correction on. It's about where you can expect him to go going forward. 302 for the career, 323 here. All good stuff. Austin Hayes is 76% rostered in Yahoo leagues. And I think if he is available, if you are in one of those leagues where he is still on the wire, strong ad if you need a little bit of outfield help. Let's talk about Charlie Morton for a second here. He, again, played out of his mind these last four, or these last three starts really have been excellent for him. I know he gave up four and runs against Pittsburgh, but the strikeout numbers 12, 9, and 11. He has really turned it around. Now, the ERA still sits at 484 because of some of the earlier season troubles and even some of the troubles that were plaguing him in May and early June. He seems to have started to figure it out here. I've really I've talked about it a lot, the Braves rotation, because I'm really not sure what's going to happen, but Morton will make it very hard for them to do anything with him if he keeps pitching like this. Uh, he's not going anywhere at this point. Really not sure. I'm, I'm assuming that Spencer Strider will end up in the bullpen. He had a tough outing against the Giants the other day. I did say on Monday or Sunday, whenever, I think it was Monday, that he's probably best left on the bench in a weekly league with the Giants and the Dodgers. I'm hoping that the Braves don't read uh, – too much into those starts because it's tough teams. Uh, we haven't seen the Dodgers one yet, but obviously that'll be a tough one for him. I'm hoping the Braves don't just jump and put him in the bullpen if he struggles there, which I expect he probably will. Um, again, it'll probably happen, but I'm hoping that the Braves go six starters here when Soroka comes back. Now, for the time being, until Soroka's back, I don't think there's going to be any changes. Once he does come back, we will have probably some some maneuvering in the rotation, something I'm keeping an eye on because I've been very interested in. His counterpart last night, Carlos Rodon, was equally as impressive. He went seven innings, 10 strikeouts, one run, a walk, three hits. This was one of the games I was really going to be keeping an eye on yesterday. I didn't really get a chance to watch much of it. Where I am, uh, it's very hard to find stuff on the TV. I can stream a little bit here and there. Wi-Fi is a little bit spotty, but uh, I did see a little bit of it. Carlos Rodon really figured himself out recently. That he started off like he's looking like a Cy Young candidate, and then he had a couple of rougher outings. I mean, specifically a St. Louis outing there where he gave up eight earned runs. You take that start away, uh, he'd still be up there in the Scion contention. And you can argue that he even still is, regardless of that start. The ERA is still a 2.7, whip 1.09, 11.3 strikeouts per nine innings. He's still putting up fantastic numbers. And, you know, I think there's a decent chance that he will be uh, in the Scion race still. Now, one of my listeners, Tony, Tony L. from Toronto, he, at the beginning of the season, traded Mookie Betts for Carlos Rodon. He feels probably pretty sick about it. Tony, if you're listening, buddy, it's all good. I wouldn't worry too, too much about uh, Rodon going forward. He, To this point, yeah, there's been a little bit of iffiness, but he has really settled down these last few starts. He's still one of the elite pitchers in the National League, so I understand uh, you're probably still not thrilled with yourself about making that swap, and, and I get it. You know, You can't win on every single trade. But there, uh, I wouldn't be too concerned that you're that you're losing out too much. Rodon is still fantastic. So n- not to worry there, Tony, if you are listening. But let's talk a second about Aaron Judge just briefly because there's not really so much you can even say about Aaron Judge anymore. He had two more home runs last night. He's up to 27 on the season. He's batting 302, 52 RBIs. Now, <sighs> Judge is probably going to be the MVP. Now, Otani has certainly brought it closer these last couple of days. He's been outrageous uh if you guys look at war wins above replacement fan graphs is probably the best place to look there baseball reference also does war uh otani's war over the last two days is one one full 1.0 war that is that is ridiculous uh that is not something that you ever really see 
over the course of a whole season, a very productive player will give you a couple, you know, three, four, kind of something like that. That's that's a very good season to have three or four wins above replacement. Now, if you're doing it one over two games, that's just as absurd. So <laughs> he's obviously closed the gap a little bit there. It reminds me of what we were seeing last year with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Otani, where, yeah, uh, Guerrero, I mean, I'm probably not uh, surprising anybody by saying I was hoping Guerrero was going to win last season, but I understand how it went to Otani. Now, the question I have is, will it just go to Otani every single year now for the rest of his career as long as he pitches and hits? What's the threshold exactly? What does he have to do to guarantee himself MVPs? Is it pitching under a four ERA with 25 home runs? Like, what is it exactly? Is it just the fact that he's doing both? Like, where do we draw the line, right? Because if Judge does what he's projecting to do, which is hit like 60 home runs, uh, I think that there's a decent chance they'll give it to Judge because 60 home runs, like I talked about uh, in my article on the weekend, we've only ever seen it a few times. And the guys who have done it have cheated their way to get there. So I mean, if he gets 60 home runs, that's, that's ridiculous. I, I think that they'll have to give him the MVP at that point. It's something that I'm going to be really interested in going forward. Now, obviously, there's a lot of baseball left to play. Nothing is decided right now. But um, definitely the gap was closed last night a little bit by Otani. Let's talk Jesse Winker for a quick second. I mentioned him yesterday about how I wasn't really ready to give up on him yet. And he had hit a homer on the previous day, and he hit another one yesterday. Uh, he went two for four. He had a homer. Uh, he drove in three, and he also drew a walk. Uh, I think that we're going to start to see a turnaround from Winker here. I hope you guys haven't given up on him because there's still a lot to like with him there. Javi Baez is another one, a uh, player in the same vein I talked about yesterday. They're both in that similar boat of new destination. They've been shitful so far, but they've both homered in back-to-back games, and they've both really started to turn it around over the last week or so. Baez, in particular, has shown sustained success now. What is it, three, four, seven-game hit streak? It's really looking good for Baez now. I know a lot of Tiger fans and fantasy managers were very worried about him, but at this point, uh, I think we're I think we're looking okay. Over the last week, he's the fourth-ranked player. The last two weeks, 129. Uh, he's definitely making his way back. He's still outside of the top 700 for the season, which is which is brutal. The low batting average, uh, the low everything really has contributed to that. But if he can really hit his stride in this next week, uh, we'll start to see. Or if, if he can continue hitting his stride like we've seen him do over the previous week anyway, uh, I think we're going to see uh, a great season out of him like we saw last year. Now, the batting average is not going to be high, but he can still give you close to 30 home runs and like 15 steals, I'm thinking, what, similar to what he did last year. So no giving up on Baez yet. He had dropped down to 80% rosterage, and now he's up to 86. So I think there were some people who gave up a little too soon, and now they're kicking themselves. It happens all the time. I think even a few people did it earlier in the year with Marcus Simeon. They gave up on him, and they're, they're probably regretting it quite a bit right now. Uh, let's talk one more guy from yesterday, and then we'll go into some of the more added players today. Pablo Lopez. He had another great start. It was his sixth start of the season where he did not allow an earned run. He went seven innings against Colorado, four hits, three walks, six Ks. He is not quite as dominant as we saw at the beginning of the year, and he got roughed around last time against the Mets, and he had a rough one against San Francisco a little bit. It happens. Uh, even at Colorado before, the last time he faced him was a little bit rough. He walked four guys. No earned runs, but he walked four. Not what you want to see out of him. But here we saw more of a return to form, uh, seven innings, shutout ball. He got the victory. Lopez is another guy who is kind of in that in that grouping in the National League of Cy Young candidates. There's a lot in the, going on in the National League. I'd say more so than in the American League. In the American League, there's a f- maybe four or five guys. In the National League, you can argue maybe ten guys are in contention for that Cy Young. Lopez is definitely an interesting one. I'm very interested 
if he'll be able to keep this up because I, I doubt that he will to this extent. We've already seen a touch of a fall off from where he was at the beginning of the season. I think he'll still be a very serviceable pitcher, but I, I don't think that he'll end up at the end of the season being in that Cy Young contention uh, category still. So I'm not trying to sell him, but I do think that we've see, this is about as good as we're going to see him anyway. I wouldn't be opposed to trying to see what you can get back in a trade, but I'm not advocating a sale by any means here. Let's talk a little bit now. I'll go through my thread of the most added players today in fantasy baseball. Obviously, we're talking fantasy baseball here. Johnny Cueto has been added quite a bit. Johnny Cueto gets the Orioles tonight, and he has been very good recently. He went seven stellar innings against the Astros last time en route to the victory. And he gets the O's, who are slashing 228, 294, and 381 against righties this season. For me, he's the best streamer today. I know some people talk about Kyle Freeland. I've added both of them in a couple of spots. Uh, Freeland gets the Miami Marlins today. By the time you guys hear the show, that one's starting about as I'm recording here. By the time you hear it, that one will have already started. I really prefer Johnny Cueto. He starts tonight uh, against the Orioles. I think that that's a great matchup, and I'm looking for him to have a good game here. So Cueto, for me, has my streamer of the day. We'll revisit tomorrow and see how he did there. AJ Puck is the next guy we will talk about. He's the most likely option for saves in Oakland with Danny Jimenez hitting the IL. He's got a stellar 4.5% walk rate, and he's left most of his runners on base that he's allowed to, to reach base, 88.7%. I think he's a strong add, and with the troubles we've seen with Trevino and Jimenez and possible trades there, I would say that Puck is a strong candidate to be the closer the rest of the season in Oakland. So he warrants definitely a strong look in most leagues, I would say. Uh, Josh Naylor also been added quite a bit. I love Josh Naylor. You guys who listen to the show know that I love Josh Naylor. I saw him play when he was younger. I never actually don't think I've told you guys this yet, but when he played for the Ontario Blue Jays, uh, I did see him play a couple of times. He was probably about 17 years old, and you know we don't have too many great prospects coming out of Canada, so we saw Josh Naylor play. I truly think that this guy is going to be a stud, and I think he's already well on his way there. He's batting 280. His WRC plus is 140. He's only striking out 17% of the time. We've seen a really good lineup around him. They're in first place. They're tied for first place. Uh, they're, that's great. That's not what we expected at all, but we've seen that. Actually, they took over first place. They're technically one game inside of first place right now. And I think Naylor is a, is a pretty solid reason for that. Not that he's the only reason. There's a lot of good bats in that lineup. But his OPS is 850. He's got eight home runs. He's done a great job, 13 doubles. I really like the production that Naylor has given you from uh, eligibility at first and at uh, in the outfield. I think that he's a strong ad where he's available. He's still pretty widely available, but you guys, uh, I know some of you guys have added him, but he is up to only 36% rostered. Uh, he's inside the top 200 for the season. No one can tell me that they wouldn't want that kind of production on their team. A 280 batting average in this day and age is great for fantasy. We'd see a lot of low batting averages. He has power potential. He's not very fast. No, he's only got the one steal, and he's not really going to steal any bases for you. He did steal one earlier this week. That's probably the only one he's going to have all year. There's a chance he maybe gets one or two more, but it's very unlikely. You're not adding him for that reason. You're adding him for his overall uh, production in the hitting categories, the, pow the home runs, the RBIs, the runs, the average. He's a strong add for me, and I think that you guys would be wise to add him while he's still available. Taewon Walker has also been added quite a bit, and he's been essential to the Mets now with Scherzer and DeGrom and McGill all going down. Uh, Scherzer should be back soon, but... They, have, they would not be where they are without Taiwan Walker and also Carlos Carrasco and David Peterson, a couple other guys there. Uh, but he is someone who needs to be added. Uh, for sure, at this point, he needs to be added. He gets the Marlins tomorrow night, and he'll bring a popular ad tomorrow if you're in a daily changes league. You can get ahead of the competition if you go and add him today. 
I think that that is a very wise move. I think he's about 58% rostered. Let me just double check that. I checked it this morning, but let me just make sure. 58% rostered. He is available in a lot of leagues. He's got a 288 ERA. His 75% left on base percentage is very sustainable. 278 BABIP. His expected fielding independent pitching is 3.95. Those all indicate that what he has done so far is fairly sustainable. I would really recommend you guys go at him today before someone does it tomorrow. Because a lot of people don't look ahead to the next day. They look up their app and they see who's got the green check mark beside him. Whatever app you use, you typically have some kind of indication that the guy's starting today. You're not seeing that beside Walker's name today because he's starting tomorrow. He'll be a great ad for that game. So go ahead and do that before it's too late. Dakota Hudson, uh, I'm not going to be interested in him at Milwaukee. I'm not really going to be interested in him at all. His surface stats are fairly deceptive. He's got a 3-3-1 ERA, but the fielding independent pitching, or the expected fielding independent pitching is 4.70. Shows us he's been a little bit lucky. He's got terrible uh, strikeout and walk numbers. 13.4 strikeout percentage. That's brutal. He's walking 11% of batters. It's terrible. I'm not going anywhere near Dakota Hudson. Not a big fan. I don't think that the Brewers are typically terribly great offense, but I'm still staying away from him. I don't think that there's any need to be adding him today. Let's talk about a couple of today's uh, more interesting matchups, in my opinion. So uh, Cincinnati and the Dodgers. This one will have already started by the time you hear this, but this is uh, Clayton Kershaw and Hunter Green. This one I am very, very interested in watching Hunter Green, seeing how he will do against this tough Dodgers offense. He is not a start for me today. He is a hard sit. I mean, you're at the point of the week where you kind of know where your categories lie. If you're already screwed for your ERA and you need more strikeouts, then by all means, start him. But in most situations, I'm going to be leaving him on benches. Uh, He is prone to give up a lot of home runs and walk a lot of batters, something that the Dodgers do very well. They hit home runs and they, they tend to watch a lot of pitches. They tend to be very good at drawing walks. I'm not too interested in starting him today, but I'm very interested in watching this actual game to see how he is able to hold himself against an elite offense like the Dodgers. I love Hunter Green. He's a strong play in Dynasty, and even in redraft, I can understand using him in certain situations. The strikeouts are there, but there's just a lot of other baggage that goes along with it. Really curious to see how he does today at home, a hitter-friendly ballpark against the Dodgers. It's not a recommended start, but again, I'll be watching this one if I can. Clayton Kershaw on the other side. Man, there's not really much to say about Clayton Kershaw. He has pulled the rabbit out of the hat once again. He is still performing at an elite level. His ERA is 2.08, 40 strikeouts in 39 innings, only six walks. I'll be interested in watching this one on that side just because it's Clayton Kershaw, and he's one of the best pitchers I've ever seen personally. Uh, Again, both sides of this game should be very interesting. The Dodgers are heavily favored, but I think that it'll be very entertaining nonetheless. Uh, A couple other ones that are interesting to me, not quite as interesting, Robbie Ray and Frankie Montas. We've seen Robbie Ray turn it around these last two starts, seven innings in both, only one earned run combined. Now, he only struck out four against Boston, but he struck out 10 Angels uh, his last time out on June 17th. We need to to see more of these performances going forward for Robbie Ray to to save the sanity of fantasy managers and Mariners fans alike. I mean, part of me feels kind of smug about it, like, oh, the Jays, yeah, we, we moved on from him. We picked up Gosman instead. And Gosman has been terrific, granted a little bit shaky these last few starts, but I'll definitely rather have Gosman than Robbie Ray to this point in the season. Robbie struggled. Uh, he has done pretty well against good te- or against poor teams, and against better teams, he tends to struggle a little bit so far this season. He gets Oakland, so I'm pretty confident that he'll have a decent start today, but again, I want to be trying to watch this one. It's tough where I am to get proper Wi-Fi and to find the right channels because there's not really a a directory here. I just kind of have to go through the channels. 
and try and find. I know where like ESPN is on this TV, but that's about it. So hopefully, uh, I don't think this will be on ESPN, but hopefully I'll be able to catch some of it one way or another. I'm interested in seeing Robbie Ray. Frankie Montes on the other side. He's coming off of a couple of rough outings in a row against Kansas City and against Cleveland. Combined eight earned runs, only struck out six in those games. We've seen him strike out double-digit numbers uh, multiple times this season. He said 11, he said 12. I think that he's a very, very strong play uh, or strong candidate to be moved at the trade deadline. And I think that will do wonders for his fantasy value. Now here he gets a, a Seattle team that's kind of mediocre, not, I mean, even probably worse than mediocre, you could argue. But they have a lot of strong pieces in that lineup with Julio and Ty France. Uh, they, are, they are not high-powered, but they're definitely a, a, strong, a strong enough potential offense. It's hard... Hard for me to quantify exactly, but there's enough good bats in there. Ty France, Julio, uh, Eugenio Suarez, Winker, now he's started to get going. It is a decent lineup. I mean, I think they're better than the 31 and 39 record would suggest. But at the same time, I feel pretty confident in Frankie Montes here. I want him to get traded. I'd really like to see him get traded so that he can start getting more victories. He only has three victories despite a 3-5-3 ERA. Seven losses. Uh, With that kind of of ERA, with those kind of numbers, you'd expect him to be a little bit better. That's another reason why I hate the wins category in, in fantasy, but you guys already know that if you listen to the show. Let's move on and talk about one more matchup for tonight. Framber Valdez and Jamison Tyone. This one should be really good. This will probably be the most evenly matched one because, I mean, you're talking Kershaw and Green. I'm thinking it will probably be more leaning towards Kershaw. That's pretty obvious, I think. Well, that's what I'm expecting anyway. And then with Ray and Montes, I'm thinking it'll probably lean more towards Seattle. But here, this one is kind of a toss-up for me. we got two teams that have done exceptionally well, especially the Yankees. Every member of their starting rotation has been great, and Tyone has been no exception. He's 8-1 and one with a 2.7 ERA, only 60 strikeouts in 73 innings, but he's only walked nine batters. That is exceptional, 1.06 whip. He's been fantastic. Framber Valdez on the other side, 7-3. and three. He's got a 278 ERA. 1.15 whip. Now, he does walk a lot of batters, 28 walks through his 81 innings. I mean, a lot, comparatively speaking. It's still not terrible, but it's definitely not uh, ideal. If you're looking at Tyone's numbers, only 9 and 73, that's that's fantastic. I think that both of these, I mean, this is similarly to what I was saying with Carlos Carrasco and Luis Garcia. Uh, great pitching. There's great matchup uh, on the mound, but you're also looking at two very high-powered offenses. So, with these guys, I would say, yes, they're both, you lean towards starting them, but as I always say, especially as the week goes on, you have to know your categories or know your points situation. If you think you can get away without it or you think you'd risk, well, I mean, you're, I don't think you're going to get a negative number if you're talking a points league with these guys, more so in a category league. If your ERA is already set away, you're under one or you're under two, and you're thinking, okay, it's pretty good, I'm, not, I'm all right with my pitching categories, you don't really n- have to start anybody. It could be Cy Young, it could be whoever, Roger Clemens, it doesn't matter. If your categories are already squared away for the week, you don't need to force a start where it's not necessary. So, I would say, yes, there are starts, but you really need to know your categories. You need strikeouts, but ERA is already screwed. Go ahead, start them. There's no reason to not start them at that point. If your ERA is at six and you just need a win and some strikeouts, by all means, start them. But again, know your, know your lineups, know your category needs, or even your points needs heading into the weekend. This is more for categories. Uh, if you're in points leagues, you're probably starting them. You're not going to really, most of the time, you're not going to be taking a negative Category leagues, it's a little iffier because of the high-powered offenses, but again, uh, know your teams, know your needs, and you should be okay. Always here uh, to answer your questions on Twitter, at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O 99. 
Hit the follow button there. You get links to these shows Monday through Friday. All my Twitter content, all my fantasy baseball content is on Twitter. So you guys, I really want you guys to be following on Twitter if you aren't already. Thank you guys, by the way. I didn't say thank you on the show. You guys got me past 1,000 followers last week. Uh, really, I think it was last Friday. Really appreciate that kind of support. I didn't think I would get there that quickly. Let's get the next 1,000 even quicker than this one. I hope you guys are all enjoying what you've heard. Hit the five-star button if you have. If you haven't, well, I'm sorry. I hope we can convince you uh, going forward that we are the show for you because really like what we're doing here so far. Obviously, I'm a little biased in that regard, but I think we're doing a, a pretty solid job here. Definitely, we've gone a long way since the beginning, uh, the early days of the show. So I hope you guys are enjoying. I hope you guys are leaving reviews. I hope you guys are rating, following, downloading, all of that good stuff, and we will see you again tomorrow. Cheers, everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.